Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode of the Mosaic Life Podcast is brought to you by the brand new, never before seen, just now at this very moment released, One Mosaic life. That's right. This podcast has a brand new website where you can dig deeper into guest interviews, conversations, meditations, and even talks. You can also find additional resources on everything that we mention. All episode pages even feature an in-page player so you can listen straight from your browser if you're stuck at a computer. Also, and we're really excited about this, we have a brand new email list, which you can sign up for so you can be notified when new episodes come out, when we have guest announcements, when we have merch deals, we are, we are going to be doing merch real soon, and uh, contest announcements. And so that point being said, in conjunction with this website launch, we are running our first ever contest. Here's the deal. Hop on over to our website at onemosaic.life and register for our email list, which we are lovingly calling The Circle. And uh, if you register during the month of May, this month only, you'll be entered to win our Vibe Box. What does one get in a Vibe Box, Trey? You may be asking your computer speakers right now. Well, friend on the internet, let me tell you. When Ernie first pitched this idea to me, he was like, let's send one of the most life-changing books each of us has ever read to the winner. And I was like, dude, you had me at books. Our Vibe Box winner will receive a hand-picked book of inspiration from both Ernie and I. We'll also be including a journal for your use and some other surprises. You can register over at our brand new website, onemosaic.life, by joining our circle. Hello, friends. Today on the podcast, we have the inspirational Frank Agin. I met Frank a few years ago. Um, I'm a member of Am Spirit, and this is, for some context, this is the group which gave me the confidence and the resources I needed to launch my own business. As I was editing this, I, I really found myself gushing a bit, and I was even tempted to cut those parts out. But I left them in because it's impossible for me to overstate the effect Am Spirit has had on my professional life, my personal life and subsequently my happiness. And any listener of this podcast will know how important happiness is to me. Frank Egan is the president of Amspirit Business Connections. It's an organization that empowers entrepreneurs, sales representatives, and professionals to become successful through networking. He's also the host of the Networking Rx podcast, a weekly short-form podcast with insights and interviews related to better business relationships. And he narrates the Networking Rx Minute, a micro-podcast with daily ideas and inspiration. Finally, Frank is the author of several books, and we discuss a few of them in the podcast, including Foundational Networking, Creating No Like and Trust for a Lifetime of Extraordinary Success. We dig into how important it is in times of stress and crisis to not have a fear-based mentality. We spend a good amount of time discussing community and how we can better serve it and give back to the individuals who have shown support of us. And to those who hear the word networking and think it's a dirty word, there's a reason for that. And so we discuss how to not be that guy while networking and building your business. I am thrilled to welcome Frank Egan to the Mosaic Life Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. Life is an art, every moment a picture painted in time. 
the color, texture, lighting, all context. The Mosaic Life vision is to cast a warm glow on your masterpiece, highlighting the struggle while showcasing the culmination of years of hard work. Join us for guided meditations, interviews with authors and leaders, and engaging conversation as we explore the depths of our consciousness. All right, perfect. How's it going, Frank? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Busy. Busy. That's good. That's good. A lot of people uh, seem to not be so. Art. Yeah. 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 Well, Frank, uh, before you jumped on, Ernie and I were just talking about how things seem to be trending back toward the old normal. Um, Ernie himself has a retail job that he's getting back into. And we were just discussing, you know, at what point is he willing and able to pursue his business full time? And a lot of us are questioning if we even want to get back to that normal anymore. So, I mean, how has your normal changed, especially in a world that focuses so much on face-to-face interactions? Um, yeah, you know, it's the, in Amsterdam business connections, the meetings went pretty much virtual almost overnight and it didn't really skip a beat. Um, and to be honest, I'm a little nervous about how this whole thing's going to unravel. I'm, right. I'm, 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 I'm nervous about that. I mean, it was easy to see, okay, we're jumping into this jumping out. It's going to be a whole different story. And there'll be some groups that won't be able to meet because of social distancing, uh, issues and, or they're going to just have to find other places to meet or different alternatives. Um, so it's really kind of hard to say, I, but there, but there've been a lot of positives too. Um, I was sharing with somebody that last week or maybe the week before I'm losing track of days and, and, uh, weeks. <laughs> you and everybody else. Um, yeah. Um, but there was, a, I, I was at a, I was on a meeting up in Cleveland at eight o'clock, their chapter meeting up there. And, uh, um, got invited to go. And then at 10 o'clock, I had been invited to a chapter that met at 7 a.m. in Phoenix. So that's 10 o'clock our time. Right. And then at noon, there's something here in Columbus. And then there's something in Pittsburgh later that afternoon. And, you know, in a normal in normal environment, I, I'm booked. Right. I, I've got this meeting in Cleveland. I'm not going to be able to make it back to Columbus for a noon meeting. I'm, you know, I can only do this one thing. And so this has really kind of opened the door for the business to really try some different things that that were always there, but necessity never really provided the opportunity for us to try them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in that, aside from the necessity of meeting via zoom or via any meeting or anything like that. How do you see the interactions changing between people who are networking and trying to build their business, especially people who generally see each other week to week. So it's not like you're shaking hands and introducing yourself for the first time. How do you see those interactions shift? You know, it's, I think if people had the the foundation there before, it's not a real big deal because the trust is there, you know, and I, I use, I always use, uh, High school reunions is a, as a great example because you go back to our high school reunion, and I don't care if it's five years, ten years, twenty years, twenty-five years. 
and you have these relationships that just seem to pick up where they left off. The know, the like, the trust is already there, and they're just, you're just catching up on things. So in these chapters that have met for years face-to-face, and all of a sudden they're thrust into a, a virtual meeting, it's, it's not a big deal. The challenge is going to be introducing new people, and it's, you know, it's, we're going to do it. We'll figure it out, um, but, I, but we haven't figured it out yet, I guess, is, the, is really where it's at. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how that's all going to, you know, how that's all going to unfold. Um, I think about it, but I, I don't have the answer and, until you kind of jump in and just start doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ernie, how's, how has, you know, I haven't, we've talked a little bit about this offline, but how has this affected the way that you're talking with your clients or your, the people who you're prospecting? Yeah. So it, because of where I live, um, I don't do video calls at home and Mm -hmm. due to, um, most places shutting down, I can't necessarily just jump from place to place to do video calls. So it's actually helped me in the same aspect as not having to drive from Cleveland to Pittsburgh to Columbus, but I'm just like, okay, it's going to be a phone call no matter what. And I can do that in my room. You know, I don't have to go anywhere for it. So it's actually cut down a lot of cut out a lot of, you know, driving time for me in particular. Yeah. And so it's, it's all just been phone, I guess, is the, to answer your question, it's, it's gone from a lot of, uh, video to, to just phone. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's certainly interesting. And I feel fortunate in the sense that I operate solely online, but you know, the people that are operating the you know, it, with within my Amspira group, we have a number of people who have brick and mortar stores and continuing to provide that support. I, I don't know, Frank, what's the, what's the, what is the best way that we can continue supporting, not necessarily in a monetary sense, but in just a way that we can keep these businesses open and running? Well, I, fr- I think the first thing that we need to try and do with respect to these businesses or really anybody is to get their mindset out of fear. You know, our brains, um, you know, our, the human brain has many layers to it. Right. Um, and, you know, we've got that, that prehistoric brain, and then we've got the, the mammalian brain, and then we've got the neocortex, which is really kind of the human brain where we think and we talk and things like that. And, you know, the, the prehistoric um, and, and mammalian brain does a lot of this quick processing fear, right? And when this whole thing started coming down, we just, our mind goes to fear. And I, I remember, I remember the Sunday after, I think the governor was saying, okay, we're going to, we're shutting this down. We're shutting this down, shutting this down and realizing that chapters were not going to be able to meet in the traditional sense and feeling fear. Um, just it was a, it was kind of a natural thing, and I just made a decision that you know I'm not going to feel fear. I'm just going to try and move out of it. I'm going to I'm going to find a way. Um, and in making that decision, I, you know, I call it you know kind of moving towards courage. I it, I naturally engaged my neocortex. Right? Okay, let me think about what can I do? How can we do this? How can we do this? Okay. We got zoom. We can do this. I can contact these people. I'll do this email. There's kind of putting a punch list together, you know, just scribbling out. Um, 
it doesn't really matter what was on the list, but the, the that action engaged my neocortex. And all of a sudden my neo – the slower thinking, the methodical thinking um, brain was working. But when that's working, it shuts down the fear, right? So what we need to do to help people to get – to help – the first step is to get them to break that cycle of fear and say, you know what? Stop and think. You know, let's stop and think. One, what's 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 the likely worst case scenario in the next 30 days? What can we do to avoid that? You know, so if you're a restaurant, you could say, okay, you know what? We can do carry out. Right. You know, we can keep people employed doing this, this, and this. Um, we can do this. We can do this. And all of a sudden, they're pushing away from the fear. Um, and just, you know, and just kind of messages of hope and, and being positive. I, I think that's the first step because you can't rationalize with somebody who's thinking fearfully. Absolutely. And I think of when I, when this whole thing came down, I, I had sent emails out to the membership and one of the emails I got a response on, um, it was a, a gentleman in a chapter, not in Columbus, but um, just neither here nor there, but he was in that fear mode. Oh my God, Frank, you don't understand. My life is done, right. you know? Um, and I have all these emails and it was like, no, it's not, you're going to be okay. You're going to, no, no, you know, every suggestion, he just kept operating in that fear mode. And I just had to, I had to push away because yeah. he was kind of dragging me down. And then I came back to him on Monday and I just said, Hey, I just want to check in to see if you're all right. And he apologized. Sorry for dumping on you. There's a lot going on. Hey, you know, we, we had more of a conversation then. Hey, have you thought about this? You really ought to think about this. You know, go to your chapter and just be honest with them as to, you know, what you're worried about. Absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, the other thing we can do is we can start to brainstorm with people. Hey, have you thought about this? Because when we're kind of stuck in that fear mode, you know, you get those, you, know, you get that tunnel vision. Yeah. You know, and you're not thinking big picture. But when you start to step back and say, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Here, you know here, what? Yeah. Um, Here's we can do this. Yeah. How can you, yeah. yeah, how can you pivot your business so you're not just sustaining so you can actually grow now more than you have in the past? It, it, you're absolutely right. And it, you, what you said reminds me of an exercise that I've heard about from Tim Ferriss. It's fear setting, you know, explaining to yourself what the worst possible scenario is and realizing that there are a lot of steps to get to that, that last that the worst case scenario is probably not going to happen yeah well you know as i explained to my wife early on i said you know what before things go to hell in a handbasket for us there's a lot of other people who are a whole lot worse off Oh, absolutely you know so we just need to relax um you know we don't need to make a run on toilet paper <laughs> we'll be fine we'll be fine it's kind of our mantra we'll be fine everything yeah. will be fine yeah um, yeah, and it typically plays out that way. You know, after the dust settles, it's like, oh, I was worried about all of this stuff happening, and and it actually none of that happened. And in fact, it turns out it's a little bit better, or or some of these adjustments were, you know, were needed in the first place. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm really interested by uh, something you said earlier. You said you just chose to. You, you noticed the fear coming up and you chose to go into courage. Is that something that you have always just had a knack for, like a characteristic from birth that Frank has been able to move from fear to courage? Or is that something that you had to learn? And, and how did you go about doing that, if so? Um, well, I think from birth, we're naturally 
you know, we're natural, we're, you know, we're, we're humans. Um, and we have to, we have to kind of train ourselves to do that. And when, you know, when that happened, I'm not sure. Um, but you know, in thinking it through, it's like, okay, you know, I've got a wife, I've got kids. Now my kids are in college and for somewhat grown, you know, 20, 20 to 23. Um, but they're a little lost. You know, this is, this is new territory for them, right? This is, and it, and it's really been, a, it's really been an eye opening as to, this has been a good thing from their perspective because up until now they have not really known bad times, right? Mm -hmm. Spent the last 12 years of the economy just rolling forward and they figured, Hey, we're bulletproof. We can get a job anywhere. Oh no, you can't. Mm -hmm. um, um, but, you know, certainly thinking about them and saying, you know what, I can't be fearful thinking about the members of am spirit that, you know, it's my, my role is to be a leader. Um, I need to, you know, if I'm going to be fearful, then everybody's going to be fearful. Um, they're all going to be lost. And so I just decided I, I, you know, I, I've worked too hard. I've come too far to have my business be affected by, um, I don't know how this is going to come off, but I'll say it by somebody forgot to wash their hands over in China. Right. Mm, right. I mean, it's, that's, it, it's really, really boils down to is somebody guy or girl, something happened over there. Um, and it just got out of control and, uh, but I'm not going to let that impact me. I've got to, I'll figure out a way I've got to figure out a way. And, um, I think most people who are doing well have, have done that. have just decided I'm going to, I'm going to push past this. What are, what are the options? Let me figure out the options. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like there's a tenacity in there. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, with AIM Spirit, Frank, I mean, you've seen it go through 9-11. You've seen it go through the market crash of 2008. I mean, how how did those affect the business community as a whole versus what is happening now? I mean, are you seeing differences or are you seeing a lot of similarities in helping you navigate these waters? Um, there certainly are similarities. This, this has been a little different. Um you know, I've I've been operating in Am Spirit in one form or another since '95. So we saw the tech bubble. Um, you, you know, saw right. I guess shortly thereafter was 9/11. Um, you know, and then the market crash in 2008, and and and, and now this. Um, they're all different, but what I find is is that people people are a little less cavalier about things. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't wish for the economy to be bad. I don't wish for things to be bad. But well, I'll use two thousand eight for example. In um, in two thousand eight, well, two thousand in two thousand eight, there were realtors that were my best friend. All of a sudden, that wouldn't have given me the time of day right. a year earlier. Right. Um, and just things changed and. I think people, you know, again, back to my kids who, geez, dad, why do you have a financial advisor? That's so stupid. It's so easy to make money in the stock market. Well, it is, you know, it's, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to, you know, shoot fish in a barrel. Um, the stock market was going up every, you know, you couldn't lose. Um, you know, my son works in IT down in Florida, down in Miami, and he's like, oh, I can get another job anytime. You know, that was six months ago. Where my wife and I are telling them, like, no, you can't talk like that. Right. You know, you can't think like that because things do change. And having a conversation with him 
you know, probably two or three weeks ago and him coming home from work or, or I guess he's, they're all social distancing, but being on a call at work and finding out that, you know, they let half the people go. Um, he wasn't one of them, but they left half the people go. And that right. was kind of a real wake up call for him that, yeah, it's, it, it's that fleeting. Um, I mean, the truth is there's no, there's no industry that's bulletproof. You'll see these disasters affect different industries differently. I mean, the, the dot-com bubble was a great example of that. 2008 was a great example of that for, for realtors, for people in the financial sector. And now we're seeing everybody, business owner or employee, grasping for what they what they've always had and so it's that mentality that nothing bad can happen to me that's that's not something that any of us should carry with us and i, I think this is a very good wake-up call for that no i totally agree i totally agree um and i think and again i think it's good from the standpoint that we all realize that we need each other we do more than we ever did before you know when things are going well and you're, you're you know you're just you know, you're, you're getting business despite yourself, you know, it's easy to get cavalier. And when you realize, okay, you know, wait a minute here, I, I do need some help to innovate. You know, I need to take my business online and I do need that computer guy to help me get that set up or, you know, figure it out. Um, so it's, you know, it's not fun, but it's, it'll be good for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now going back, exiting that fear mentality, that fear mindset, so Ernie and I have, we've probably dedicated three or four episodes now to this crisis. A lot of the, the theme generally is using meditation and mindfulness to calm and center ourselves. From your standpoint, how do you escape that fear, that fear center? How do you help other business owners get out of that mindset? Well, you know, I think exercise is important. Uh, my wife and I, we get up, we have a dog, so we get up and walk the dog every morning, three or four miles. Um, and I think, you know, getting the blood moving is good. I think staying busy is good, whatever that might be. And I've, you know, I've, uh, one of the, uh, I think I sent this to the, I don't know if I sent it to the entire membership, but certainly the directors, uh, told a story that, uh, when I worked in, uh, my law firm, job years ago there was a guy who had back surgery and he was going to be on disability this was in the this was in the mid 90s he was going to be on disability for six weeks and he just made a decision i'm not going to just languish away in bed trying to heal i'm going to learn i'm going to bring take my my new laptop that the firm issued everybody home and i'm going to i'm going to learn about this internet thing you know i don't know if it's going to catch on but i'll you know i'm going to learn about it um and by the time that six weeks was up he was very versed in the internet, had got himself on, uh, they called Bolton boards, I guess, back then. Um, you guys probably know better than I would. And um, found somebody who was selling a, uh, um, uh, uh, they had an internet service provider business. This is all pre-spectrum, pre-high-speed dial-up. And he decided he was going to buy it. So he walked in after six weeks of being on disability <laughs> and uh, put his two weeks resignation in, said, I'm I got my own, I got my own business now. Uh, um, and it was really kind of, a, you know, it was, it was fascinating for people to see. He's like, he's he crazy. No, but I think that's, you know, I think that's what people need to be doing is they need to, you know, they need to, they need to find things to keep themselves, keep themselves busy. 
you know, all those things that you said, if I ever have time, I'll do Well, you got time, do them. Um, Whatever that thing is, you know, projects at home, you know, organizing your, uh, um, your database, um, your, your contacts, you know, LinkedIn is just how much time you guys spend on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. It is, it's, it's just amazing. All the people who have gone onto LinkedIn, um, starting to do things and, you know, meeting lots of people through LinkedIn. So, I mean, I think there's lots of things out there. So as far as, you know, trying to kind of calm yourself, um, I think being busy is probably, probably the, the easiest antidote, uh, antidote, uh, for most people. Um, I mean, I, I'm not downplaying meditation at all. I just, I think a lot of that's a, unless you're good at it and have done it, it might be a hard thing to pick up. Um, in a time of, in a time of fear. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Staying busy. I mean, just finding you, you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about moving yourself from fear and from that, um, I can't remember how you, the, the mammalian brain, I guess, um, into your neocortex there was a, a reasoning process happening. Like you were giving yourself some questions to answer and that pulled you forward into your rational mind. And so a person at home could find anything that would give them a sense of curiosity and, and something to pull them forward into a thought process rather than this like yeah. spiraling out of control into what could go wrong and will go wrong or, or whatever you know, our minds do when we're afraid. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it, it plays tricks on us, right? You, mm-hmm. you tell, you start telling yourself stories. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something else that uh, I've heard you almost in every podcast that I had the chance to listen to before this uh, that you talked about a lot was was service and and you mentioned it all, all, also in uh, in moments prior in this conversation. You know, it's something that's for me. I'm, I'm 29, and so for most of my life up until like until I had kids, actually, I was more just very self centered and focused on how to get my stuff. And, right. Uh, and it was, it took time to really understand the importance of paying attention to other people and, and what, what I have and what I can do to help other people. So I'm interested to hear about your journey with that and, and, and how you came to that point in your life where you realized that, you know, rising tides will, will raise all ships and, and started utilizing that. Yeah. You know, I guess just kind of background on my, on myself and, you know, getting getting into what I was doing. I, I, I'm not from Columbus. I, I moved here to go to law school back in the eighties. Uh, I have a law degree and an MBA from Ohio state started my career in a really big firm. Um, I was a tax consultant. I, I tell people I hated every minute of it, which it's not entirely true. I, I met my wife there. I got paid. So it wasn't all bad, but I didn't, it wasn't for me. I didn't want to be mired down in the tax code for the rest of my life. So after about six and a half years, I decided to leave and I went into private practice. And I tell people that a funny thing happened when I went into private practice. And the funny thing was that nothing happened. I had no idea how to get clients. Um, I was in an environment, started my career in an environment where they literally just handed you clients. And the whole notion of getting other clients was, or getting clients at all was foreign to me. And I was that bad actor running around chamber events, just pushing my cards on people, hoping to pick up a client. I had lunch one day with a friend of mine. Obviously, things weren't working well for me, um, and, and 
go figure. They shouldn't be operating the way I was. But I had lunch one day with a friend of mine. I asked her what I needed to do, needed to do to become successful. And she said, you need to get into a leads group or a tips club. And that's what led me into um, what is now Amspirit Business Connections. Um, but through a couple of introductions, they introduced me to somebody who was starting a brand new chapter. It was up in the Westerville area. And I tell people that immediately it made sense that I could raise myself up by raising up the people sitting around the room. And it's so easy for me to promote other people and so hard to promote myself. And I mm -hmm. think that's true of most people. There are some out there that they do a really good job just promoting themselves. Um, but, but promoting other people, you know, is, is kind of the most basic way of serving others. And, you know, from there, you know, you just, you know, once you start getting on to that, uh, into that cycle of, you know, if I help other people, things will come to me. If I help other things, people will come to things will come to me. You know, the more I do this, the more things will come to me. Then you're just really kind of looking for opportunities to help other people and just realizing it's going to come back. And, Hey, I want to introduce you to this person because I think it's a good, it's a good fit. There's nothing in it for me other than the karma I'm going to drive out into the world and just trusting that it'll come back. And, I, you know, I think it's all kind of from that moment of just looking at what is now this organization and just saying, you know what, um, I can I can have a really good life just by trying to help other people have a really good life. And, uh, you know, so that just kind of extends itself out there to charities and, you know, whatever, you know, wherever I can help. Uh, within reason, certainly. Um, but, uh, you know, where, you know, wherever I can uh, try and uh, help and provide value to the world, I, I'm going to do that. Yeah, that's incredible. And it, and it also, now that I'm hearing you speak about it, it brings up this idea, too, of, of another way to stay out of those negative places. I was, uh, I was maybe 21. And um, I was walking to work because I'd gotten into some trouble and I couldn't drive. And uh, I was just down, my head was hanging and, uh, and I, and there was a sign that said the best way to, it was something along the lines of the best way to get out of a bad mood is to help somebody else get out of one. And so it's, it's also another form of, uh, you know, keeping ourselves sane in, in this crazy time is looking out and saying, how can I help people? How can I help somebody oh, else, you know, move forward? Absolutely. No, that's, I, I tell people, you know, that's, you know, that's one of my, you know, my, one of my ways for kind of getting out of a funk, you know, I tell people it doesn't change anything, right? It just changes how you feel about things. Yeah, and that's, nice. you know, that's kind of the step you need forward, just doing something for somebody else, you know, whatever it is, you know, and yeah. there's always somebody out there that's got something, they've got it worse than you do. Always somebody, you know, you just need to, you, you just, well, you just need to step out of yourself and, and look. Totally. You know, they're there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, Frank, I've, I've, I, I, I think I've probably met you for the first time two or three years ago. I've seen you speak several times and it really lends credence to, to what you just said. You just, you, you seem, I, I feel that you are a selfless individual and it really makes, it lends to the no like, and trust aspect of the organization. And I pride myself in being in a group that has done very, very well. And we, you know, one member in particular, he takes the the mindset that 
if you're constantly the person people come to for referrals and recommendations for who can fix the roof or who can service their car, you become that person's superhero. You really do. You you become the person people go to. And then that really helps drive people your way. It's, it's, it's the, it's the law of attraction. People love that. And I, I, I get it. And it it makes so much sense hearing you say that. So I I guess if nothing else, thank you for that, because you really, really are very good at that. Well, thank you. It's, um, I try, you know, I never want to declare I'm anything. I'm, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not whatever. I'm not generous. I try, I try to be generous and I just, you know, continue to continue to focus on it. And I think that's, um, I think that's a good point of clarification, clarification. You mentioned you try, um, there are people out there who are trying, they're trying to be better. They're trying to help others where I think there's a very fine line for people who put up the, the, um, I guess the, the mat, they're wearing the mask of trying, but they're only in it for themselves. And you, you get that. I I've been to so many different types of networking groups and I'm not just going to say this because I'm, you're on the phone and because I'm a member of Amspirit, I've been to so many and nine times out of 10, it's here's my business card. How can I help you? What can we do? Can we set up a coffee so I can make money off of you? And I I can't stand that. I really can't. I it's, you know, Amspirit has become my sole source of referrals. And, you know, that's that just speaks wonders. It's the way that it's run and operated is it's truly uh, it's truly amazing. Well, I, you know, I think what it is. Is that people. People don't understand the words. Helping others and adding value, you know, they, they get confused with it. And, and, and it, like, well, let's, you know, I'll pick on a mortgage lender just as an example. But a mortgage lender might say, well, I do give to my clients. I give them the, the best possible deal. That is good business. It's not altruism, right? right? Right. There's a difference there. We should be doing the best for our clients and giving them a good deal. You doing a website for a charity out of the goodness of your heart, that's giving, right? right. You introducing somebody where – you have you stand to do nothing, get nothing out of it. That's giving. But I think a lot of people think, well, I I, I service my clients and that's my gift, um, and that's nice. That's good. I'm glad you do that. But that's really business. And I, I know exactly where you're coming from because I know I'm going to open up my LinkedIn later and I'll have six of those. Hey, how can I help you? What? How can I serve you? Right. You know, what do you what what is it you need that I have? And it's like, ah, uh, <laughs> um, I just I hear you. Yeah. And so that's a question that I've tried to ask myself over the last month and a half is how can I give right now? I've gone so far as to make the offer of, hey, if you need somebody to help you out, put a message on your website saying, hey, we're open for delivery, carry out, what have you. That's something that I'm willing to give my time away right now to help another member in this community. And I want... I guess from your standpoint, you know, I only know my my world, my business. That's something that I can do. How can people in the general community just give? Not, you know, not make not give with expectation, but just give because people need it. Yeah, you know, I've written a number of books on on networking and people ask me what's the what's been the best way to sell a book? And I say the best way to sell a book is to give it away. 
and people who are uh, other authors will kind of look at me like, oh my God, that's, you know, that's the worst way to sell a book. No, what I'm saying is the best way to sell a book is to give it away a little bit at a time, right? right. Here's a post about this. Here's another post about that. This is my expertise. I'm going to share it with you. And if somebody were enterprising enough, they could grab all my little posts and tweets and reorganize them and have my book, Absolutely. right? Yep. Uh, be totally free. I mean, obviously, I have to pay for paper or whatever in their time. Um, but it's the same sort of thing. I think everybody out there has talents, have you know, gifts, has insights that they can be sharing. And those are the types of things that they ought to just be putting out there, you know, free to the world. Um, you know, and it's, you, you know, and I, and I do see people doing that. I do see, you know, there was somebody who I was talking to, they had a, like a sales training course, like 1200 bucks. And, you know, I'm just going to offer it for $37. Now there's probably a little bit of, there's probably a little bit of strategy to that because they're building their database, Yeah. but they're truly giving, Absolutely. um, you know, putting posts out there, doing what you're doing is, 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 is great. Um, is that going to benefit you? You know, I hope it does. Maybe. Yeah. But that's, that's not the test. Absolutely. You know, it's not the test that you all ultimately benefit. It's, it's kind of what you're getting in the moment and you're not being, there's no expectation, right? You're going to do something for somebody and help some restaurant get something on their website that allows them to, you know, do takeout in a way that they couldn't do before. Um, and you know you're not holding them hostage. They may never come back to you, and that's okay. Yeah, um, that's the test. Yeah. Um, to to your point, uh, when you said that you've basically given your books away for free, the, 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 uh, you of course yourself, it's commendable. Um, an author, James Clear uh, of Atomic Habits, um, he does the same thing, and it, it's very. It's it's awesome seeing that, and I and I I tell you I bought his book because he shared so many excerpts so, so many excerpts in newsletters on Instagram, and it just enticed me to buy that. I mean, you're not you're not giving yourself away. You you are right. bringing people in so they can enjoy what you're offering. I yeah I I'm one hundred percent with you. I, I get it. I love it. Um. Now, Frank, you're also involved with it's charitable roundtable, right? We talked about you know, nonprofits. We talked about how we can yeah. benefit people. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the uh, um, the charitable roundtable. It was in 2014. I was kind of sitting and looking at my network and just saying, you know, wow, you know, Ampspirit's really done a lot of great things for businesses. Um, I kind of wonder how this sort of thing might work in the not-for-profit world. And I knew a handful of not-for-profits, uh, Brian Wallenberg with the Byron Saunders Foundation. I, I, I knew of him. Um, and there were a couple others that I that I had known at the time. And so what I did was I just, I, I called them in. This was uh, when I say called them in, I, I had a meeting, it was a lunch meeting, brought them in. Um, it was January of 2015. And I sat down and I and I just said to the three or four that were there, you, I know what everyone's number one problem is. It's money. You're all looking for money, right? That's that's the number one issue of any charity. Really, it's the number one issue of any business, right? Any organization is funding money. But that's what your number one issue is. But we're so we're not going to talk about that. I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable talking about the things that they need. You know, the things they're doing. 
to fund themselves because nobody wants to kind of give away their strategy. Because in a not-for-profit world where there's donations, everybody's kind of your competition, or at least that was my perception. Right. So I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. But what I said was, that's your number one issue. Let's talk about all the other issues that that face you. And so we had this really nice conversation. And one by one, it went around to the three or four people that were there, and they were just talking about, you know, really this is a challenge I have. And I've been I've been very amazed over the years. Um, but it was a great it was a great session of sharing. And um, at the end of that meeting, I said, do you guys want to do this again? I'm like, oh, this is great. This was awesome because they got to meet each other and they realized that every one of them had challenges, but they weren't the same challenges. And every one of them had solved challenges and the challenges that they had solved could help other people solve their challenges. So, the, you know, the next uh, uh, the next month, February of 2015, um, we met again, um, and it's just kind of grown and it's grown and it's grown. At this point, it's pretty much virtual because of uh, COVID-19, right. um, at least for uh, another month. Um, but, uh, you, know, you know, people are coming together and just kind of, hey, I've got this issue or I'm starting this not-for-profit. You know, what are some things I need to consider? Um, I've got a board. I've got a I've got to energize my board. How do you know? People will say, "Well, I I did that last year. This is what we did." Let me share some stuff with you. Um, so there's really a lot of neat things that have come out of it, and it's just every month it just kind of gets together and shares thoughts and ideas. I've heard I've heard wonderful wonderful things about it, and what I guess taking that that message that theme where you're learning what other people have been through and gotten through and applying it to, I guess, a, a for-profit standpoint right now where people are struggling to grasp a foothold and wondering, I guess, what, what, what lessons have you learned from just the general consensus of a nonprofit or what can people do now to really, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I want to ask this question. What lessons have you taken from charitable uh, roundtable that can be applied to for business or just anybody in general right now who are struggling? Well, you know, I think, I think the, the, the big lesson I've taken away from the charitable roundtable is in, in reality, we're all competitors, right? Right. Um, you know, if everybody spends their money on a website for you, well, they don't have any money to be an amp spirit, right? right? So we're competitors for the, there's only so many dollars in the world. And and that certainly was my thinking with respect to not-for-profits. There's only so many donor, there's only so much donor money out there. If these people start talking about donor money, you know, well, they won't because they, you know, I didn't think it would work for that reason. And I was wrong. And, and to the extent that these people really are competitors with one another, but they're serving different passions and there's a finite amount of money that's going to be donated, but still they can help one another. So in, in the for-profit world, there are people out there that you can tap into and learn from, you know, um, you know, you're, you're kind of in the, in the web design business and so is Tom Anderson, right? You could probably learn from one another. Absolutely. You probably help one another. Um, how that looks, I don't know enough about websites to be able to say, well, this is how it would work. And, and while even you guys know a lot about websites, you probably haven't kind of thought about what the issue might be. Um, but, you know, to be able to reach out and, and just kind of have that abundance mentality that, you know, the you know, the abundance mentality that there's plenty of business out there for all of us. We just, you know, need to 
not not view each other as as strict competitors. And I think that's the beauty. So that's probably the big. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the beauty of the organization. You've got your core group, but the people who just stick to their core groups are the ones who don't thrive as well as the ones who get out there every week visiting different chapters and visiting different organ- different uh, people in these different uh, cities. Because even if I were to go to a group that does have a web designer, I, I wouldn't shy away from that because there's always a chance that I'm going to specialize in something that they don't and we can use each other as those referral sources. And it's it's so, the way it's set up, it's so it, very beautiful. I really, really thrive from it. And I, again, that's 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 been awesome. Yeah, it's, and I think there are people out there that have that scarcity mentality that um, – if they succeed, I, you know, if they succeed, it, it's taking away from me. Right. Um, and, and I, I don't think there's anybody out there who is a direct total overlap of anybody else. When I was in a chapter years ago, we had four attorneys, yeah. you know, I know there's a joke in there somewhere, but <laughs> I was the business attorney. Right. And, and there's another guy who's the real estate attorney. Um, and Thad is, you know, it's 25 years later, he's still an am spirit. Um, and then there were two other attorneys. There was a woman who did estate planning, a guy who did personal injury and criminal stuff. He was kind of really kind of a courtroom person. And we all could, we all had a license that we could do what anybody else did, but it was like, that was, you know, I don't want, I, I don't want to do, I don't want to do personal injury. I want to be the business guy. Um, you know, I don't really do real estate like Thad does real estate. So when clients would come to me and they would have something that would really kind of touch on what he did, rather than me trying to fumble my way through it, I would just say, okay, here, Thad, you take this over. Um, you make money on it. You're good at that. Uh, I'll focus on my stuff. And in return, he would send things my way, that he, things that he wasn't strong at. And it, it, you know, it, it really worked out well. That's great. Yeah, so I want to jump in, Frank. I have a couple questions. It kind of switches directions, but I wanted to ask a little bit about writing. And and you said you you've written some books. How many books have you written? Um, I want to say ten. I know. I think it's ten. Yeah. I know that's a horrible answer. Um, no, that's cool. <laughs> You're at the uh, point where you, you you've lost count. I mean, just we'll just yeah, ballpark, you know, twelve yeah. to thirty or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Um. Two of them are novels. Um, wow. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, once you, you know, once you've written a book, like the, uh, I wrote a novel when I was in law school, which is kind of more done on just, I had time and I just wanted to do it. And I, from there I had the confidence I could write. I could, I could, I could do it. Um, yeah. But the real first business book I wrote was called Foundational Networking. And when I finished the first draft, I sat down with a friend of mine, a guy by the name of John Millen, who is kind of a, he's kind of a leadership communication coach and gave him the manuscript. And he met with me very sheepishly and said, Frank, um, here's my advice. It, it, well, his big advice for this conversation, mm-hmm. you need to cut out 160 pages. You know, I gave him a 360 page manuscript. It needs to be about 200 pages. That's what people, you know, and I was just like, are you kidding me? Mm. Oh my God. It's like my baby. I put all this time into, I can't get rid of stuff. And he's like, no, you need to get rid of it. You know, you can't be in this book. And so I was able to kind of take that and work that into other books. Um, 
you know, and then you, you know, you, you, you know, I wrote one and then had an opportunity to, uh, I co-wrote a book with Lewis Howes. I don't know if you guys know who Lewis is. Yeah. School um, of Greatness. Yeah. Um, yeah. the back 2000, 2007, 2008, we wrote a book called linked working, which was a strategy book for using LinkedIn. And, uh, um, and from that, uh, I had somebody <clears throat> reach out to me on, uh, on LinkedIn. I've never met the man, but we co-wrote a book together. You know, he just said, Hey, I've read your book on LinkedIn and I want to do a, I want to do a fable book, you know, like who stole my cheese kind of a book mm. on networking. And so we, you know, talk on and off and then kind of had this whole, you know, had this epiphany of this book called the champion, um, and so we wrote a, you know, we wrote that, uh, wrote that book. So it just kind of one led to the next, to the next. I never, you know, I figured I'd write one book, I'd be done. Um, and uh, it hasn't ended up that way. I, you know, I've started toying around with another book. Um, for now, I, I might have one more novel in me. I don't know. Um, sure. I've got an outline for one, but it's just, I'm so busy. I'm so busy podcasting. I'm so busy working <laughs> with the organization. I'm so busy doing you know, other things that I don't really have the time. Sure. So, so when you're, when you're coming to that place where, you know, it's time to write a book, of course, you've had people reach out to you and, and that's been, you know, a reason to move into a book. You know, when you're doing something on your own, is it, is it something that just comes to you and you're like, Oh, I really know a lot about this. It's time to share it. Or, or you know, how does that idea come from, or do you just say, I'm going to write a book and then start looking for ideas? How do you go about that process? Um, well, you know, certainly with the first one, foundational networking, the the, the whole notion of it was, um, the whole notion. I, you know, I, I saw people out there who there are a lot of great books on networking, and the, and they're very skilled. Uh, they're very very skilled and tactical oriented, right? Strategies type things. But yet, I saw people who weren't successful, even though they had great strategy, right? Somebody's got a great thirty second commercial. That's nice, but if you're a jerk, it doesn't matter, right? Um, and so the whole notion of foundational networking was is that it's your it's really your your attitudes and your habits towards yourself and others that really kind of dictate things. Um, and that was the that was the theme I kind of had. And then just from that one epiphany, you know, it just kind of morphed into okay, how do I go ahead and explain it? Where are the examples out there? Um, and I just kind of pieced it together from there. Oh, very nice. And so, so the majority of them come from some type of inspiration and then you just evolve it from, from like, yeah, idea. Yeah. 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 yeah very cool. Yeah. I know, I know Trey's really interested in writing. He's even, even been, uh, published online and he's written a, a novel as well. Um, and so we, we go back and forth about different tactics towards writing. And, and then I also have a client who. Um, is in the midst of writing his first book. And so this is just a very interesting topic. Yeah. Um, well, I will tell you that uh, you can do it. Um, you know, it's, I, everyone thinks writing a book is hard and, and it can be, but it was, you know, it's, you know, for me, it was literally just every Monday morning, I would just turn everything off and spend four hours just trying to, knock some stuff out and over time you know some days are some some four-hour blocks were better than others right sure and uh 
you know, after a year and a half, I had something, it was done. Um, and then, and then the real work starts and you've got to, uh, you know, you got to edit and do all that stuff. The fun stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's no time like, uh, like quarantine time to, to get out there and get your book done. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, Frank, as uh, I know you've got to cut off here in uh, the next few minutes, but, um, I, I thinking out six, 12, 18 months, how do you see this landscape changing? I mean, do you, do you think we're going to get back to a point where everybody's back to their nine to fives and life goes on? Or do you think that we are facing foundational change right now and nothing, maybe some things will be the same, but do you think that things are actually going to evolve and move into this world where we are mostly digital? Um, things will get back to normal. Things will get back to, to a degree to how we knew them. Um, but there will be changes and I don't know what those changes are. And here, here's my, here's my example or my analogy, I guess. Um, I don't, you know, if you remember, and maybe you do or you don't, but if you remember before nine 11, you could walk a loved one down to their gate, watch them hand their ticket yeah. off to the agent, yep. step on the jetway to get on the plane. And you, then you could go back and meet them when they got, you know, when they got off the plane. And that, you know, right after 9-11, we had three or four days where there was no air travel travel at all. And then, boom, the TSA was in action. Yeah. And I cannot envision a day where I am not going to have to go through TSA. Yeah. They'll always be the, – the risks are too great. Somebody's going to get something on a plane and can do horrible damage with that plane. And that's never going to go back to normal. Um I think with this, there'll be something as well. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it'll be some sort of fundamental change. We'll still operate the way we always have. I don't think it's going to be wearing masks everywhere. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but they're going to put something in place. So they're going to be able to prevent and contain something like this happening again. Right. Even though the likelihood that it happens again, I mean, it's been 102 years since the last time it happened. Um, you know, the likelihood that it happens again is probably small, but there'll be something that'll that'll come from it. Yeah. And you I'm with you. I, I, I do agree. I think things will change on a systemic level. But what I what my what I'm fearful of is sporting events or events where we just enjoy the company of our community. I, I know a lot of those are in question for the rest of the year. And so yeah. not even if we get the okay to do so, will we still live in fear about doing so? Will there be processes and systems in place where we're all having our temperature measured? I don't know. And yeah. I think that's a fear yeah. of a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know either. Um, you know, and again, we, we, we rolled into this abruptly, right? Yeah. Um, it was just a, Governor getting on on the television, closing the Arnold, you know, it was kind of abrupt. Yep. We're going to roll out of it gently. And I think we'll roll. I think we'll ease into things. I think, I don't, you know, my kids play soccer. I'm a, I'm a big soccer fan. I have tickets to the crew. Um, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like, you know, okay, wait a minute. We're not going to be only every other row is going to have, have fans. Um, once we get back to going to games, I don't know. I don't know what, how they're going to, how they're going to do that. 
but I think we have this desire to get back to normal and that's going to push us to kind of inch in, right? Um, okay. That wasn't so bad. I think we're okay. Let's take another step. Okay. We, we managed that. Let's take another step. Okay. There's a setback here. We need to adjust. Right. Let's take another step. Um, so I think we'll be okay. I, I think there'll be good things out of this. I mean, it's, you know, the cold and flu season won't be what it is because people are, you know, people are serious about washing their hands and covering their mouths and staying home when they're sick. Absolutely. And so that will help that. So um, it's not going to be all bad. It's not going to be all bad. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the, the positive outweighs the negative. And I, and I think people are getting creative um, in the ways that they're conducting business. And, you know, certainly from, the element of am spirits. I know our group has, has moved virtual as, as hopefully the vast majority have, and we're staying connected and we're continuing to send referrals to each other. And just knowing that you have that backbone, that support system where even if things do go to hell in a handbasket, you have those people whom you can rely on. Yeah. So that's no, great. I, well, we desire that, you know, that's just something we, we want. Absolutely. So it'll happen. Hey, Ernie, uh, before we kind of bring things to a close here, I wanted to see if you had any other questions for Frank. I don't have any questions at the moment. I really just appreciated soaking in this conversation. I know you guys have a lot in common with what you're doing and, and with you being in Amspirit and leading Amspirit, Trey. Um, and so that, that's that been really nice to hear about the landscape of business and how things have changed for a lot of people. Um, and most of all, it's just been great to meet you and, and learn about you through this process, Frank. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. All right, Frank, um, I, I like to ask uh, one question of all of our guests before we let them go. Uh, I myself am a big, a big reader, and I, you mentioned that you are as well. And so I imagine you, your library is vast. If you could name one book that had the biggest influence on your life, what book would that be? You know, for me, I think it's pretty simple other than the books I've written. People always ask, what's your favorite book? <laughs> I always name one I've written because if, if it's not my favorite, it's going to be nobody's favorite. Right, right. But, you know, uh, but as far as a book that's had the biggest impact on me, um, it's called Bringing Out the Best in People by Alan Loy McGinnis. Bringing out um, the best in people. Yeah, bringing out the best in people. Cool. Um, and the reason – the reason it's my favorite is because it was really kind of my first, you know, I go through college and I go through law school and it's tons of reading and you get done and you're like, I'm done. I'm done reading. Right. 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 Um, and somebody handed me this book and it's literally only 150 pages long. Um, but it's just what it did. What it did for me is it just it ignited it ignited the desire to learn, to be better, to personally develop. And that has kind of led me into other books. Um, I can't, I can't explain the absolute path of each and every one, but here from this, I pick up a John Maxwell book and he references other books and I pick up this and you just, it just kind of mushrooms from there. Um, but that was the first and that, so that would have to be the one that, uh, really kind of, you know, I don't know if another book would have done that. I don't, but it did. So. That's great. That's, that's so important. It's like having a good professor. It's like having a great professor in college instilling in yeah. you the desire to learn. That's so important. So bringing out the best in people, we will link to that in the show notes. Um, Frank, thank you so, so much for doing this. It's only appropriate if I ask this to come to a close by allowing you 30 seconds to do a commercial. It just makes sense to me. 
Um, okay. Uh, 30 second commercial. Um, you know what? Amp Spirit kind of takes care of itself. I want to do a commercial for the charitable roundtable. If you know of a small not-for-profit out there that needs help, um, send them to me. Um, I would like to introduce them to the charitable roundtable. I'd like to introduce them to uh, several dozen other not-for-profits that are all trying to help one another in uh, in meaningful ways. That would be a that would be a great that would be a great gift to me. Awesome. Frank, thank you. We will have all of that information in the show notes, as well as our brand new website, which is coming out in in conjunction with this episode. So please check that out again, Frank. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank thank you. you. Awesome. Have a great day. All right. You take care, guys. You too. See you, man. Again, Ernie and I would like to extend a warm thank you to Frank for joining us on this truly inspirational podcast. Uh, If you'd like to learn more about Frank, again, all of the links and information that we talked about will be in the show notes in your podcast player, as well as on Frank's episode page at onemosaic.life. A personal endorsement. If you're a business owner in Ohio or even Pittsburgh or Phoenix, I would highly encourage you to check out Amspirit Business Connections. Again, I credit Amspirit with helping me to have the confidence to launch and grow my business. It has been nothing short of a truly amazing experience. So again, Frank, thank you so, so much for joining us. And this podcast was brought to you by the all new, almighty onemosaic.life. It is our brand new website and we are so excited about it. Hop on there to find more information on guests, on talks, on conversations, get access to exclusive guest interviews, and register for our brand new contest. This month only, if you register for our email list, The Circle, you will be entered to win our Vibe Box, which will get you two of our favorite books as well as some other goodies. Hop online, onemosaic.life to register to win. And hopefully it goes without saying, your privacy is important to us. We will never sell your information or spam you. That's just not going to happen. We care about you way too much for that. You can also do us a favor by following us on Instagram at One Mosaic Life. We like to share content throughout the week, inspirational messages and updates on what Ernie and I are working on. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or any other platform where you can leave a review, it would be amazing if you left us a review. That helps others find out about our podcast, helps us get bigger and better guests, and just helps us become better individuals. Last but not least, if you really truly find value in this show and it's helped you through a difficult time, you can support us by making a one-time or a recurring donation. Uh, You can do that on our website by clicking support us or in your podcast player at the very bottom of the show notes, you can click support this podcaster. A few dollars goes a long, long way in helping us grow the podcast, which includes contests merchandise and in-person meditation classes and other events again thank you so much for listening if you're a new listener to the podcast we hope you'll subscribe and we will see you next week 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.